Welcome to Spinning Back Click, where each week here at MMA Junkie, we take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA on this week's docket. Never mind all that. We have huge breaking news. PFL has acquired Bellator MMA. Let's talk about it. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Gorgeous George. And with me, as always, some of the sharpest MMA minds in the biz. Joining me this week goes from MMA Junkie Radio, the creator of SBC, and my co-host on the MMA Junkie Radio podcast. Danny Segura is back. He's down in Miami, and he's got a solid MMA show in Espanol, Hablemos MMA. Check it out. The Boston Shot Caller, Nolan King, joins the panel all the way from Beantown. Also, a Best Journalist nominee for this year's World MMA Awards. Producer Cole Coffey's on the ones and twos this week. Let's get started. <laughs> oh, man, guys. We finally have some answers that we didn't have about an hour ago, but regarding Bellator's future. PFL has acquired Bellator, and here's what PFL chairman Don Davis said on a post on X, formerly Twitter. Our roster equal to UFC, both 30% top 25 world-ranked fighters. PFL launch reimagined Bellator, Bellator International Championship Series. Mega event for fans in 2024, PFL versus Bellator champs. Panel, react. Nolan, we go to you for the first take this week. And I know, folks, that info is going to trickle in. We welcome you to uh, participate in the chat with questions and comments, and we'll be monitoring that as well. And as we get it, we will divulge because this is tremendous. Go ahead, Nolan. Yeah, it's, it's a big day for the industry, I think, as a whole, as for MMA. Um, I mean, regardless of where things go from here on out, I think it will be very intriguing to see like a number two powerhouse what it does for the landscape of mma and i've you know i've heard differing opinions on this there's some people out there that say well now there's less there's less uh choices for the fighters so maybe there's a little less competition um you know i've heard some people say oh pfl is spending way too much money they're just going to blow through all of this and then it's going to essentially kind of detonate the non-ufc side of the the industry there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions about how this is going to go. But I mean, the fact of the matter is we're going to get to see how this plays out. Um, after six months of plus of speculation, is this going to happen? Is it not? Uh, weirdness with the Bellator being awkwardly silent about this. Multiple seemingly uh, final events for them. Bellator 300 seemed like it was going to be the last one there for a while. Then 301 comes along and it seems like it's going to be the last one. But we still didn't have answers until today. Um, so it's, it's very interesting to, to kind of see this all unravel. I think we're in kind of uncharted territory or, or very rare territory. I mean, we've seen it with before with the UFC and Strikeforce and the UFC and WEC, but I feel like all of these acquisitions, mergers, sales, whatever you want to call them, kind of play out a little bit differently. So I'm very interested to see um, what happens. And I think from a fan's perspective, man, this is, this, this is about as good of a product uh, as you could imagine. I mean, this is the, probably the best number two that we've ever, at least the biggest, you know, in terms of talent pool and in terms of some of the names that are out there. And obviously Pride was running pretty concurrently and successfully with the UFC, but I'm not sure they necessarily had, I mean, this is a crazy amount of fighters that that, that, that are going to be under one umbrella. We'll have to see how much of the roster is going to be trimmed. But for me, I'm excited. I think it kind of rejuvenates both brands a bit to have some crossover. I mean, look at this Friday, right? There's the PFL finals. Now, if they're going to be doing this Bellator versus PFL champions thing next year, we kind of start to, to, to think about those matchups. Like, there's more implications. Who wins the heavyweight will fight Ryan Bader next year. Whatever. I, again, we have to see the timeline of when that event's going to take place. So many details still coming out. But all these things that we're talking about makes 
things way more interesting than they were yesterday for both of these brands. Nolan, is this what you wanted, by the way? Because one of my questions would have been, with all the quiet behind the scenes, what's your dream scenario? But did they kind of get it? Uh, did they did they did they touch your dream scenario? I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Because on one hand, I've always viewed them both as having things that they do very well and some things that they could work on. I think from my experience at Bellator over the pandemic and doing all those events on the ground, it seemed to me that, you know, when things started to kind of shift towards showtime is when it seemed like Bellator started to fizzle out in terms of the public attention that it was getting, you know, being behind that paywall that people didn't already have. Uh, is, was a big problem. I think also being kind of an under umbrella where the people that were calling the shots above Scott Coker were doing so in with business decisions, making business decisions based off of a streaming service, based off of more of it being a form of entertainment than actually a fight promotion. I think that caused a lot of issues at times. So for me, that's good. And I think on the PFL side, I think they've done an excellent job, you know, big a lot of it is through the money they've been injecting into it. And will they, you know, ever see that come back? I don't know. I'm not, I can't tell you that all the moves they've ever made, having Wiz Khalifa, you know, do a rap concert at the beginning, whatever, all this stuff. I can't tell you if that sort of stuff is smart. If it's, I'm not a business guru on that regard. I think they've done a good job though, at putting their name out there, putting themselves on ESPN plus, you know, uh, yeah. putting themselves on all these other channels on social media, um things like that and kind of taking this more business oriented approach um which can be good and bad i think times it seemed to fighters like it's just a bunch of suits talking to them whereas bellator and mike kogan you know scott coker jane estioko these are the people they've always dealt with they're familiar they've been at their gyms so it's it there's a lot to unpack here there's a there's a lot that both sides i think did well and i think that they had room to improve on like i think bellator's talent pool was way stronger than pfl's now that they're together Obviously, it's not really a competition anymore, but um, it'll be interesting to see which attributes are taken from each and, and kind of molded into this new brand that will be uh, PFLator or PFL. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, brought that back. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. So we we got a few more things to say here. I did want to say one thing. You know, look, the UFC. The story is they were 54 million in debt, and they're a incredible business story i don't know what pfl's financials are at but sometimes you do have to lose a little bit of money before you turn it around we'll see what happens danny uh what's sorry yeah danny what you're next what's up man well what do you think what was your reaction to this news about an hour ago yeah um it's it's kind of hard to this is where the imagination goes crazy because as nolan said this is unprecedented usually when we've seen large acquisitions of this caliber, it involves the UFC, whether it's UFC Strike Force, UFC WC, and, and the story kind of no, is this is the same, right? Like they're just gonna acquire the talent, run the promotion for a little bit, then disband it, right? Uh, in this case, is number two or number three, whatever you want to call it. It's either two or three or three or two acquiring uh, each other and actually making a run at competing against the UFC. Um, I always thought that. Um, Having more options is better, and I think in a vacuum that is um, true for the fighters, for everyone, um, less options anywhere, it's usually not good. However, when you talk about competition, sometimes uh, there's a saying, right, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So in this case, joining forces with Bellator or acquiring Bellator and, and, and acquiring its roster 
And all of a sudden, you have a lot more options to play with because certainly um, you could make a case that Bellator was number two or PFL number two. They're neck and neck. They both got great things going on for each other. So if you're able to combine both of them, I don't think it will surpass the UFC, but I do think this. The UFC has spread itself way too thin in recent years with so many events where now we're going head-to-head some weekends and PFL or Bellator might have a better card than a UFC Apex show. Now it just comes down to promotion, right? Can you get your event front and center so everybody knows about it? Because everyone's going to remember those three letters. But it's already a fact that these promotions have been able to compete sometimes with the UFC. Now they're going to combine powers. Um, of course, they're going to run independently, as, as the press release said, at least for some time. And, and maybe we'll see a, a merger down the line. But uh, still, the fighters are going to be available to cross-promote and to do uh, event versus event um, fights. So um, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. I think this is all unprecedented. I think this is the strongest number two we've had, at least in recent times. And before, I think Strikeforce at some point was a, a way stronger number two than now the merger of PFL Bellator. But UFC had so little events that it was hard to compete every freaking weekend. The UFC was always going to have a better event, even if you had Overeem, even if you have Fader fighting, you know, and these were prime days for these guys and, and a bunch of other names as well. Uh, but in this case, I- I'm really curious to see if PFL uh, does things right in the sense of, of working around the calendar. There's going to be weekends that or many weekends, at least on paper, where there shouldn't be a good reason why the, the PFL and Bellator promotion um, – wouldn't have better events in the UFC. You know, let's be honest. UFC still number one, but some of these Apex shows are, are not the greatest. So uh, I'm very interested to see how this turns out. I think what Nolan mentions is also very, very true. I think there's some fear in the industry about if PFL doesn't play its cards right, you just kind of, you can just implode. And all of a sudden there is no number two, there is no number three. And that could ultimately be worse for the industry. Only time will tell, but I am someone that's uh, relatively optimistic, at least most times, and I like some chaos. I believe that you know, within chaos, within change, there's opportunity for bigger things, for for, for nicer things. So um, maybe this is it. Maybe this is what we needed: somebody to step up and, and double down and and try to go after the UFC. Um, we'll see. I'm very very excited. Uh, part of me a little bit worried as well, but overall, just very excited and, and fascinated about this whole thing. Two perfect words to end that with, Danny. Excited, fascinated. Like, you know, this, I don't know, this gave me a little injection even more. I'm always fired up for SBC, but I'm just thinking of the possibilities. And folks, excuse us if we look away. The, the news just keeps funneling in. So we're going to update you as much as we can because we're with you for the next hour or so. Please hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us obviously to grow the show. So right now would be a good time. I just ask that humbly. It really, really helps trigger an algorithm on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Well, subscribe basically puts you on this channel. And I always stand by the quality content that we have. Let's go to Goes, man. Goes, same thing, man. What was your reaction when you read those words? We finally had some answers. That's the thing. That's so funny. That's what's so funny about the situation is we have the answer to probably one of the biggest questions. But all it did was give us more questions, right, that we're looking to be answered. And there's so many different avenues that we can go with this type of scenario. And I, I like what Nolan and Danny both said. I think they're, they're things that we need to definitely look out for. I'll add a couple things, too, is, you know, you have something like Dana White's Contender Series, right, and all these people trying to get on those cards. Who knows? You know, this is going to be a lot of cards they're going to need to fill 
um that could maybe create another avenue for those fighters like i'm very interested to see how the fighters are actually taking this because maybe one less option disappeared but at the same time this one seems so much stronger now that i think you do want to be a part of it as far as them competing with the ufc i think it's going to take some time for something like that to happen everybody wants to compare ufc and pride and those two situations were were very different and for quite a long time pride was the number one guys like if you looked at certain divisions they had the top dogs and it was the ufc kind of trying to compete with those guys so it's going to take a minute to ever get to that point but they're they are going to have uh competition as far as what we want to watch on a weekend because danny's right sometimes some of these apex cards aren't that strong we're just kind of sitting there waiting for that main event and if they can take advantage of those types of weekends and put on something that we want to see then it might take away some 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 viewers but there's just so much like i mean you know think about the influx of talent from bellator that's going to come in from in divisions that the pfl doesn't have right uh just seeing kayla harrison and cyborg and under the same umbrella now there's just so much things that can happen here i really hope pfl kind of not put your foot on the uh, on the brakes but just really do this right take your time and do it right because you could do something very big in our industry for the fans for the fighters um great matchups that are coming up and i'm totally down for this man i think this can be a little bit of uh what danny said like a fun chaos oh yeah all right, well, here's a, a few things that I wrote down from the press release that was sent out, from the tweets that have been coming out. Um, Paramount apparently still keeps a minority stake. I don't know the percentage, but there's something there. Similar to, I guess, the Fertitta brothers and Dana White. I think they held on to something before they got turned over to Endeavor. Scott Coker and the team, according to ben, uh, Brett Akamoto from ESPN, they get to stay uh, on board if they would like. And... I mean, that WMMA roster, you got to think about that. Their stance is ours is better than the UFC's right now, and they may have an argument. I don't know. That's up for debate. Uh, I think in some of the weight classes, yeah, yeah. I think I think you guys actually are correct, PFL people. Uh, eight events scattered throughout 2024 with Bellator MMA. It's kind of going to run on its own, I believe, and that's maybe what Don Davis was alluding to. He called it, let's see here, what was it, uh, Bellator international or something like that uh so so looking at don davis this is again where i say like they're kind of more business business savvy if you look at don davis's linkedin post recently he said that there's going to be five franchises is what he's calling them so there's the pfl league the pfl pay-per-view series the pfl challenger series the pfl international league and then bellator will be it's like fifth uh franchise so kind of a little bit of everything that we've seen from them and then just bellator will run concurrently in its own eight of i i think what did it say eight events per uh yeah they get eight international and, champion and total series. will be 30 yeah. for all of pfl for all of those franchises you yep. wrote so yeah like i say they're gonna have eight events playing. you said bellator mm-hmm. yep yeah, because there's though, existing I mean, I, I, contracts that need to be fulfilled, you know, yeah, yeah. when when there's these types of negotiations. So I imagine 2025, I don't know, will probably look different from 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. Nolan, I think you had a little bit more info on that in the, on that topic, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen it before. Again, like history has shown. But yeah, with this one as well, it seems like part of what made this deal, I don't want to say it's what delayed it or anything, but one of the trickier things I think 
when it comes to this sort of merger acquisition is all those sort of business deals, right? Deals that you might not even as a consumer or a fan really think about. You probably think about fight contracts. You probably think about uh, maybe, maybe you do recognize a little bit. We've seen it more with the UFC recently with like arena deals and uh, partners overseas and stuff like that. But I think when you have all these advertising deals, when you have, uh, you know, uh, production deals overseas, things like that, there might be contracts that have to be fulfilled, right? So how do you do that? You end up having to run this brand kind of simultaneously um, and probably in a way that will fit the PFL brand's needs. Like, you know, I, I'm sure we, again, we saw it in the UFC, right? They started to kind of, well, with Strikeforce, they started to take some kind of pluck some of the people out of Strikeforce as they needed them and throw them in the UFC. And then eventually kind of the well dried up with Strikeforce and that the ends were tied up there and that was it. So I'm guessing that's what is going to go on with Bellator. Uh, again, this is all sort of developing um, new stuff that we, that we're getting literally as we speak here. Um, but I will say something just kind of hitting me talking about all this is like, how, how, like imagine four or five years ago when world series of fighting rebranded into PFL, right. And they were doing a couple of one-offs randomly. I think they did one outside somewhere in like Washington or something. And they had this, it might've been raining or I, I remember watching it like, and being like, man, I don't know how this thing still kind of exists. Right. And then here we are. Um, they have obviously dumped, there's a ton of money that's been pumped into it. Again, I, I, I can't speak one way or another about how much, uh, you know, there might be some people that look at that as a bad thing. But for me, it's like, man, they just came into the industry uh, as a, a brand that really seemed like it was going to fizzle out their own verses at one point. And somehow over the span of a few years, they scored an ESPN deal. Um, they made themselves relevant in certain ways by associating them in the same, you know, uh, in, on the same streaming service as the UFC, signing big free agents, doing something a little bit different. I mean, I think everybody there kind of deserves a lot of credit for this because even when Don Davis's name started getting brought up at, at Bellator events, I remember the vibe there was kind of like, ah, like this is kind of maybe a little bit for clout. And I don't mean that like from the people that even worked at Bellator. I mean, just kind of like the media. It was almost like when maybe the UFC's brought up at a Bellator event, you kind of see like, okay, like somebody's kind of grabbing upwards to get a little bit more attention. And I felt like that was what was going on with PFL. And man, I was wrong. Like here we are a couple of years later and, and Don Davis, Peter Murray, um, you know, Ray Cepho, uh, Greg Savage, all those guys like deserve a good amount of credit for kind of taking over every, the side of the industry. That's not the, the UFC in kind of improbable fashion. So um, this is a big experiment overall. And I think uh, whether it's good, whether it's bad, the ending we'll, we'll find out, but to, to actually see it be able to play out this thing that people have always talked about as, as having some sort of real or semi competition to the UFC will be fascinating over the next year or so. Mm -hmm. Hey, how about no this guys? I, I was just sitting here thinking like, well, who are the biggest winners in this announcement? I have to imagine Chris Cyborg having the chance of possibly facing Kayla Harrison. When you think about how many belts she has and her constant battle of being compared to Amanda Nunes, adding another uh, belt, a PFL belt, that's pretty big. And how about Ryan Bader, right? He might be the winner of the Francis Ngannou sweepstakes here. And mm. we all know that comes with a huge payday. I don't know if there's a winner there, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, good points, goes. Um, and you know what's funny is, is as you guys have been talking – I know there's going to be some negativity, you know, there's going to be some positivity, but let me just throw this at you guys. I believe it was season one. John Anik commentated for Bellator. Now mm -hmm. he's with the UFC. Jorge Masvidal 
was on an early season of Bellator, and I think he even got triangled, and Toby Amata, who triangled him, got the uh, sub of the year for the World MMA Awards. And then now Mazadal, arguably, when he retired, was the UFC's biggest active pay-per-view star. Um, I say that because yeah. McGregor was sidelined with the injury. So many things can change. I brought up the UFC being 44 million in debt, 54 million in debt with the 10 million they invested in season one of the ultimate fighter. And look at the way that changed. So folks, a lot can go down. And if anything, I give the PFL credit for at least if they are going to go down, which I'm not hoping that they do, they're going down swinging. They're throwing kitchen sinks, everything imaginable, but you should be excited about this because look, um, yes, we want, we don't want a monopoly. We want competition. It's always great. But Bellator was slowly dying. I hate to say it that way, but that's what exactly what was taking place. And now it, I think both franchises have been rejuvenated one way or another. All right, I'm going to read some comments, and that'll give the time for the guys to refresh, see what's come in. And then, guys, I want to zero in on a specific part of the tweet that I think we should get excited about. And let's maybe start doing a little bit of forecasting, having a little bit of fun. Because that's really what it's all about, right, guys? The fights. But look, Chris Ta San De Santiago says, let's go. He's fired up. Um, Don Harden says, big news. Great timing. You're right. It is big, great timing. Because it happened right as we were pretty much dotting I's and crossing T's and squiggling Q's right before the show. Joseph Boza, though, he's, his take is, this is a slow death for Bellator. I don't think Don Davis really wants Bellator. If I'm a fighter's agent for Bellator, I'm exposing UFC and or other places in 2024. Um, Iron, Fabian Steele. Yo, let's go, PFL. He's down. Green, 49-285. Big news, boys. A few super fights. Uh, and that can happen. And a few more chances to gain some serious traction in the MMA game. Colostrum. He's even thinking outside of the box. He or she. What will happen with elbows? Well, they're all different franchises, so no elbows probably during the regular season of PFL. I'm sure elbows will be allowed in Bellator. We don't know. We want we want answers to these questions, too, but I like your outside-the-box thinking. Finally, Daniel MMA says, awesome show, fellas. Keep up the good work. I wish they would just combine the two organizations and not run events separately. That could very be well what happens in the long run, Daniel, but I, like I said, when you acquire huge companies like that, stuff is already set in place. And so maybe that's just the way things work out in 2024, and it could be very, very different in 2025. But, yeah, we're all dreaming just like you, which is what I want to get to. And, by the way, keep that stuff coming in. I'll try and scroll and get through as many as I can. The Obviously, the better the way the question is presented, the better the questions, the more likely it is for us to include it. Also, one more time, hit that like and subscribe. It does a lot to blow up the show. We You're not uh, going to read, Ryan? Uh, Tibolt's comment here, George. You said you got enthusiasm similar to when Buddy the Elf sees Santa. I think that's fantastic when you talk about MMA. Mm. <laughs> okay. I don't know who that is, but thank you if that's good. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Let's zero in on this part. Don Davis said, uh, mega event for fans in 2024. PFL champs versus Bellator champs. So I'm going to throw some names at you guys. All right. Clay Collard faces uh, Olivier Abian Marseille this Friday, him or, well, the winner versus Usman Nurmagomedov, who at this point I know is serving a six-month suspension, but I haven't heard anything about him getting stripped. But what are your thoughts there? I, I want to know what your guys' early leans are in terms of who, you know, th that might be the best answer to 
who was the number two or, or the number three. What do you think, Nolan? Who do you like in, in that? Usman Nurmagomedov or the winner of OEM versus Clay Collard? I mean, that, again, I think this is this is the thing for me is like I've always – I don't like to speak in, speak in absolutes. I've made the argument a lot of times that I've always felt Bellator had the better talent. So I would have to break down each of these matchups. But I, I think to me, like the early lean on that one would be Usman. I think Usman – uh, is certainly um, one of the stronger pound-for-pound fighters that Bellator has right now. And as just as we're speaking, I'm, I'm reading something from uh, from Aaron Bronstetter where he's talking about um, the PFL season will consist of the same six weight classes this season, and then the Bellator International Champion Series will have all weight classes. So I wonder what they'll have to do beyond that because I think if you use the same weight classes uh, – if, if they were to continue the same weight classes in 2024 as 2025, you would end up having some good, some good Bellator fighters kick to the curb there. So, sorry, I'm just processing this all as, as we go along here, but to answer your question, um, yeah, I think I would, I would lean towards Usman, but again, this is what makes it fun. This is why this announcement coming this week, I think was fantastic. I'm not sure how long they've been sitting on this for either. Like has, was this done two months ago and they were waiting for this finals week to announce it possible, but the fact it got done before the finals, we get to hype up matchups like this and kind of start to get the gears turning. Goes, how about this one for you? The winner of Henan Fajeda and Dennis Goldsloff against Ryan Bader. Yeah, I, I, I got to lean Ryan Bader in that one, but I'll tell you this much, George, just going back on the previous question, one thing we do have to remember, OAM kind of had one foot out the door, and uh, I think possibly this type of news, these types of new fresh matchups, might be something that keeps him around. If he's the guy that has to face him, then uh, I think that that matchup's a little bit more competitive. Um, but there's just so many different things, so many different scenarios here that we we could have fun with us all day, man. Danny Segura, the winner of Impa Kasanganai and Joe Josh Silvera against Vadim Nemkov. Vadim Nemkov. I do think that Bellator has the better roster. They, one, they just have more fighters. And two, I think they just have fighters that, in terms of talent, have proven to be uh, elite. They have really, really good roster. PFL does have a good roster as well. But I, I think in terms of firepower there, Bellator takes the win. Um, the only thing that PFL has been much better at Bellator, I think, especially in, in recent years, um, and a lot of it has been circumstantial. Nolan talked about this a, a bit. Has been promotion, you know, getting with Khalifa. I think Jake Paul has done wonders. Francis Ngannou, who hasn't even fought, has just been a huge promoter of the PFL at this point um, with everything that he's been doing in, in boxing. And just the fact that they're on ESPN+, Plus, like the MMA fan doesn't have to buy an extra subscription with Showtime in order to consume MMA. And we already know they're consuming UFC. So, um, yeah, now I just think that all this great stuff that we've been seeing at Bellator can now be even promoted more, which is they have a lot of uh, talented fighters. In fact, fighters that have gone over to the UFC eventually, like Eddie Alvarez um, and others that have either become UFC champions or challenged for UFC titles. So um, this is exciting. This is exciting. All right. Well, I'm not going to let it go. I want to see if this is going to be a sweep or not. Jason Jackson. We're back to Nolan. Jason Jackson versus... The winner of Magomed, Magomed Karamov, and Sadabusi. Who do you like there? I have to see after Friday. I think Magomed Karamov can look kind of inconsistent at times. Like, there's been times I've been like, man, this is one of the best fighters that they have in, in PFL. But 
Um, then sometimes he'll put out kind of a flat performance. So I guess we'll have to see what happens Friday. Um, Jason Jackson, I feel like I have, can't pick against him at this point just because of uh, what he did on Friday. Um, I felt like he was kind of the forgotten guy on that card coming after, uh, not only in a fight that was after Patchy Mix versus um, Sergio Pettis, but also going against who many people believed was one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in Bellator, which is Yaroslav Amosov. He went out there and just absolutely from the opening bell was in control of the fight. Got the finish early. So, uh, again, man, I, I I still lean with 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 Jason Jackson. I'm less confident with that pick just because um, I, I feel like that Friday, that performance on Friday was a bit shocking and, and showed a whole other level of him that we haven't seen. Um, but close fight. Two things. Cold coffee's always on the money with those uh, with that B-roll. And great refing by that ref. Uh, I know it was in slow motion, but, man, he took a look at great angles and then jumped in at the right time. And J- Jason Jackson, we're going to give you some love in just a second. We do have a segment dedicated to Bellator 301. It's just that we're unpacking this news here. All right, goes last one. Does Patricio Pitbull versus the winner of Jesus Pineda and Gabriel Alves Braga. Ooh, that's a tough one, man. Pitbull's going to go down as... One of the greatest Bellator fighters of all time. You know, Pineda's been on fire, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm still going to go Pitbull just because uh, he's just such a tough out, man. I'm, I'm going to go him. But I do want to ask you guys a question now. I'm going to flip it on you. Obviously, Bellator versus PFL champs, that's fire. But does it come with a price? If Bellator comes in and mops the floor with the PFL fighters, does that make them look bad at all? Is that uh, because remember when the WEC came into the to the UFC? If you look at some of those top dogs, like they came from the WEC, uh, some of the guys that reigned for for quite a long time. I'll answer. Can I answer that? Goes or is it panel yeah. only? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. About ten years ago, uh, RFA and LFC had a showdown in Mississippi. So now you guys know it as LFA. They combined. It was Resurrection Fighting Alliance versus Legacy Fighting Championship. And so that's where Mick Maynard came from, the uh, UFC matchmaker. He owned LFC and Ed Soares, longtime manager for many Brazilian fighters like Anderson Silva. He was RFA. And something that actually was birthed on MMA Junkie Radio happened where the two promotions collided. And RFA, if I'm not mistaken, beat them four to one. Mick Maynard and Ed Soares could not have been better. Uh, sportsmen's about it. They shook hands. 4-1. You know what goes? It could go 5-0, 4-1. It'll answer our question for about a week, and then it won't matter because it's all under one umbrella. So it'll be interesting, but I don't think it'll really matter too much. Um, but it does appear that you guys kind of nailed it. Bell probably deeper roster, maybe the actual better talent at the top. However, I think PFL was just the more innovative promotion in the last few years. And so from that end, I think they were the number two. Um, but I want to box you guys into a corner here. This one's the tough one, guys. You guys ready? No one will start with you. You're with PFL, all right? And Scott Coker goes, what's up, bitch? Right, to you. And he goes, I got Cyborg. <laughs> As he's known to her do. In there. Who are you shoving into the smart cage, Pacheco or Harrison? Who is it for Cyborg? <laughs> no, yeah. Cy- so Coker goes, yeah. oh, here's, here's my, yeah, here's my I mean, fighter, Cyborg. And then he turns to you, Nolan, and goes, who are you throwing in there with the PFL, you know, repping the PFL? Are you throwing in Kayla Harrison or uh, Larissa Pacheco? 
I mean, if they're doing it on the merit that whoever wins the championships this year get a, a title fight against the no, Bellator no, 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 champion. No, 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 who are you? None of those face right. Who are you putting in there? I mean, it has to be the more confident to bang against Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Um, you want to win, yeah. You don't yeah, care I think, about. I think it would have to be. I think it would. It would have to be Harrison, just based on the styles there, right? Like, I don't think Larissa Pacheco is going to out cyborg cyborg, which would be, I think, her strong suit is kind of to give that sort of aggressive uh, offensive attack. So for me, I would have to go with Harrison. Um, plus, we get the fight that I think people want to see. So, yo, do Danny you think Segura. PFL now has the biggest women's fight? available in cyborg versus harrison or is there or the or can the ufc make a, a bigger fight among the females nah. that's a fair point um they might have yeah, the biggest women's fight on their hands right they might, they especially might. with years previous of build-up behind it too um yeah no that's a great point yeah uh, by the way, Danny, thanks for messing up my set here. I'm in the middle of a set, but that was a fair question. That was solid. But Danny, it's 3-3. Coker shoves in Cyborg, right? And this is game seven right here. Who are you shoving in, Pacheco or Harrison? Harrison, because if I'm a promoter, I want to make money. And that's the fight that no, sells. No, you want to win the series. You, this is a World Series. This isn't about money. Price fighting, my and... friend. Got to get those Man, pay-per-view I, numbers. I, I think... I, I thought the hot hand would be Pacheco. She, really? she could throw hands, guys, just yeah, as good no, as Cyborg. Pacheco's definitely a solid option, and that's definitely a fight that I want to see, and I hope that it does happen. Um, that'd be huge uh, for yeah. Brazil, and also, like, that, that is a really good fight. Pacheco has evolved a ton, and I do think she's elite. I think she's among the best in the world right now. Um, but I, I, you got to throw Harrison in there. I mean, that, that's just the, the, the sexier fight, the biggest fight. Um, and on top of that, like, as Nolan mentioned – um he is the bigger no one no one apart from the goat amanda nunes has been able to outgun chris cyborg so i don't have much faith on, on anybody outside of amanda nunes and obviously harrison's tough as shit she's got some striking but that judo and that grappling is is where it's at so um i'll, I'll go with harrison i'll stick with harrison look, look at this the women's featherweight division just absolutely thriving exactly the sort of conversations and debates we were expecting to have uh, at the end i mean of this is what they right? want with the acquisition right like this is <laughs> totally this is exactly the goal yeah. all of a sudden like there's a, a whole uh sea of possibilities and this is very exciting and i was just looking at the rosters and dude bellator has a sneaky good roster like and i'm just like kind of daydreaming now about certain fights imagine like uh patricio pitbull versus a clay collard or you know a shane burgos and and you go and you throw patricky pitbull in there the brother i mean those are mm -hmm. bangers there's a lot of good fights. AJ McKee. AJ McKee yeah, at featherweight yeah. or lightweight. Mm -hmm. That dude's 20 and 1 in Bellator. 21 overall is just impressive. But I mean, that guy's got Bellator written all over him. Goes, how about you? You you go with Harrison too, just for my silly question. I, I go with Harrison too. Um, but it is it is rather close. But I think what it comes down to is I just don't think Pacheco can can outbox uh cyborg. At least Kayla gives us a little bit more of a different dynamic, a different attack. Mm-hmm. All right, good stuff, guys. Look, we'll circle back because this is huge news. But let's blast through some of the other stuff that we wanted to talk about. Unless, so unless one of you's got something we need to tackle right now, because I know stuff keeps popping up. Anything? Anything? Last check, real quick. No, no, I, was, I was just thinking about how the uh, it will be interesting to see kind of the experimental projects too, like Clarissa Shields, Jordan Oliver on the Bellator side, the Jake Paul thing coming into the mix. Like now that there's a clear number two. And you, we'll see if they integrate some of the, the Bellator folks uh, on the higher-ups over to, to PFL. But I feel like the, the possibilities of some of those 
longer term development project sort of fighters mm-hmm. will be very fascinating to to see now that those two brands are together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the chat, Joseph Boza, Larissa Pacheco exposed Kayla Harrison. Brian Williams says, hello, folks. Hello, Brian Williams. How you doing, man? Um, Kepsta says, Cyborg is getting older. Pacheco can do it. And she is now the one that can send Kayla Harrison to, to go and work her game. Donnie GZ says, AJ fits in perfectly. Everyone in the chat is excited about all the possibilities. McKee versus Burgos. Let's go, according to Green. 49-285. That would be a great fight. Uh, Pacheco versus Cyborg would be an actual fight, according to King James. Heavyweights, what would be some good matchups? Francis versus, well, we kind of covered that. Either the winner of Goldsoft and Fajeda, or let's just get going with Ryan Bader. I don't know. I want to still see Bader versus um, Linton Vassell, and I think we might eventually get to that before. Who knows? I don't know. PFL is pretty innovative and crazy. I don't know if they go outside the box or what. What we know is Bellator is going to run eight events in 2024. I imagine their champions will be featured. What was that thing, guys, in the press release about the co-champions will be featured in certain types of fights? That, that's where they started to lose me a little bit. Between Don Davis's cryptic tweets or posts and that press release, I you know I felt like the exorcist in my head was spinning all the way around. Could anyone figure that one out? You're talking about the co-main event they were saying yeah. would be a quality one or something on those Bellator cards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, I think what they're saying is that two there'll be two Bellator title fights that will co-headline, like they're both the same level on each of those shows. Um, ah, okay. I, I don't know. It would have been better <laughs> off just scratching that and just going, things are going to be yeah. nutty in 2024, fellas. All right, anyway. Right. Let's move on here because other stuff did go down this past week. And Brendan Allen, he called for a 185 title eliminator. So that's his weight class. After submitting Paul Craig, should he get it? Uh, how should the top of the middleweight division be sorted out now? Now that we do have that title fight that's been set in January with Sean Strickland defending against Drikis Duplessis. Uh, Danny, what do you think, man? Uh, is he jumping the gun here a little bit, Brendan Allen, or does he have a rightful claim? No, he has a rifle claim, man. I mean, he's killing it. He's on a an impressive win streak. What is it, like five or six at this point? Um, and he's just been running through the competition, really. Like, he ran through Paul Craig. I mean, it just felt throughout the entirety of the fight that it was just a matter of time when he was going to get the finish. It wasn't uh, if he was going to finish. It was just when. Um, and he's clearly proven that from about top 10 to top 15, that's fairly easy work for him. And, and I think that's pretty clear at this point. And that's why we need to see him against a higher ranked opponent. Um, I do think he's one win at most, depending on who he fights. Uh, sorry, at, at the very least, I think probably most likely two away from fighting for the belt. Uh, but I certainly think he deserves a big step up next, whether it's a top five fighter or a former title challenger. So I'm down for um, a Brandon Allen uh, Jared Kinnanier, a Brandon Allen, a Hamza Shimaev. I'm down for a Brandon Allen, Marvin Vittori. Uh, a- any of those guys, I think it makes sense. But he definitely needs a step up in competition. I mean, clearly, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. He's stopping all his opponents. Yeah. All right, guys. How about you, man? You share the same sentiment as Brandon Allen, who feels like he might have a title eliminator fight next? Or is he still kind of stuck a little bit behind other uh, title challengers? I think a lot of it has to do with the landscape and what's going on, right? Like Shamayev and his injury, 
Um, but I'll say this much, man. That was one of the better performances, top to bottom, I've seen in a very long time. He looked comfortable all week. He goes in there. He does great in the fight. He gets the finish, and he maximizes his time behind the mic, and that's so important. For him to make these type of call-outs, to say the things that he says, and then have people like us on Monday talk about that, that is such an important uh, aspect of your job if you're a mixed martial artist, and sometimes fighters don't take advantage of that, right? They just say, hey, whatever the UFC wants. Uh, but this is what gets us talking. This is what gets us throwing names out there. Me, personally, I, I kind of like the name Paulo Costa. Um, I don't know that the U. I mean, I really do like Shamayev, but I just don't think they would put those two together. But I think Paulo Costa is something that maybe they could do and get those guys going again. But um, personally, I think if we have this conversation a year from now, Dude, we're talking about Brendan Allen possibly being a champ. Like this, this kid's got it. But there are so many intangibles in this division, so many things that can happen at any moment. Israel Adesanya could raise his hand and go, ah, "I'm back. I feel like going again," and and that flips everything upside down. But I think the UFC should be ecstatic. I think they have a star on their hands. Yeah, and beating Costa is beating a name, and that's the trick. About along the way, you want to beat someone that puts you over even more, even though he's doing. Very well on his own. I think winning eight of his last nine. Nolan, how about you, man? Is it too soon or is he spot on? The next one should be a title eliminator. Um, I lean towards thinking it's a little too soon. But he, at middleweight, I think middleweight's one of the hardest divisions to look good at and really impress. Um, just because it's kind of the balance between like being a heavyweight and just kind of doing what you need to do to get by and and, and having some power, but in some technique, and you kind of meet in the middle. But Brendan Allen had a great performance on Saturday. Um, I'm just not sure I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go that far. But I think there's a matchup where it, it, would, it would kind of be left up to him, right? And that matchup's Robert Whitaker. I think if you go out there and you look good against Robert Whitaker, uh, another five-round fight, hopefully, um, then, yeah, you could potentially, regardless of who you are at this point in time, you could establish yourself as a guy that's next in line for the title. So... For Brendan Allen, it's, it's for Brendan Allen. It's a high risk, high reward situation for Rob. I think this is a fight to to really gauge where he's at. Um, it kind of a, a I don't want to call it a reset fight because Allen's obviously tough. But in terms of rankings, in terms of name recognition, it would be a little bit step back from what he's used to. So I think it would be a good fight for both guys. Yeah, man, those are high risk but high reward fights. And I think of O'Malley versus Peter Yan, huge for him. And Drikas Duplessis versus Robert Whitaker, huge for him, you know. And and so something like that might might even be his best bet because Bobby Knuckles is, I, I mean, former champ, all respect, but he does seem to be that gatekeeper to that top position, which is a title uh, challenger. Real quick, just one of the three of you. Does any of you know, has anyone been anointed the alternate for UFC 297 in Toronto, Canada? Strickland versus Duplessis. Is there a middleweight out there who's already been anointed that? Do you guys know? And and would Brendan Allen, mm -hmm. would that be a good spot for him maybe? Sometimes that guarantees you the title shot. Other times you just keep the seat warm for someone else. I think it's never yeah, I mean, a bad you know, spot to be in. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, Cannoneer was the backup a couple uh, for the the title fight. Izzy versus, yeah, yeah for Strickland. And um, so who knows? I mean, sometimes it's kind of weird, right? Like the UFC doesn't always go with the guy that you would think necessarily would be the next one in line. Like we obviously saw it with Gamrot, right? Like they went, like they had him as the backup and then they're like, Oh, well, you know, now we need, we actually need a backup. So we're going to take a different option, you know? So 
it's it's a weird balance there, but I think Cannoneer would be a good one if, if he's still down to do that all over again, if he's kind of in that position. Um, but the UFC doesn't always go in that pecking order. So, yeah, I, I think uh, Allen would be a good option. Cannoneer would be a good option. Um, either one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Gamrock got pushed aside pretty bad, man. He got Heisman. Um, all right, let's move on here. UFC interim champ Tom Aspinall has been doing the media rounds post-UFC 295. That's where he won the UFC's interim heavyweight title so now he's calling for john jones to be stripped of the ufc's undisputed heavyweight title and has offered to fight Stephen miocic while jones recovers should the ufc reconsider this why or why not goes look it's hard to argue with what he's saying and from my perspective um i think a lot of us would agree with those comments Stephen and john it's just kind of lost its luster for me. It, does, it doesn't have the intrigue that it once had. And at the end of the day, aren't we trying to figure out who the best is, right? Well, isn't that the point of all this? Isn't that why we're here? Stipe versus Jones, to me, doesn't answer that question. Aspinall versus Miocic gets us closer to the answer, and I like that. Aspinall versus Jones gives us the answer to that question. So um, I think that's kind of like what separates MMA from our from other sports, right? Like these types of things happen, and they really just put mud in the water. It makes things uninteresting. I, I don't like that we have to go through this route. I, the only thing I would disagree with a little bit is I don't think he needs to be stripped, but I do. I would like to see that matchup happen, him and Stipe, and then Jones gets the next guy, and that's that. Uh, but the whole Jones-Miocic thing, I just don't understand it. Like I get it on paper. It makes sense. As a business, I'm sure they're going to make a lot of money off of that. But I don't know that everybody looks at things that way. They just want to be entertained and they want to find out who the best is. And if you want to find out who the best is, it's got to be Aspinall versus John Jones. If you can't make that happen right away, then Aspinall, Miocic, that's fine for me. That's a lot of fun. I'm in. Okay. Uh, how about you, Nolan? Should the UFC reconsider? Remember, they, their stance is Jones versus Miocic when Jones is healthy. Or go this route of what Aspinall is proposing, him versus Miocic stripping john jones this would be for the undisputed or even maybe like go says just make it an interim champion title defense while jones isn't stripped i don't know it's a lot i threw at you but what do, what do you think nolan i think everybody just needs to kind of take a deep breath and chill out a little bit here for me john is only going to be out for what is it through june or something so i think given his stature in the sport given his championship status now if there's any setbacks if there's any sort of further delays, any further injuries, then yes, we can start looking at, at stripping him. But I think at this point in time to just kind of call for a guy to be stripped because you don't like the next matchup that's going to happen in that division and you don't want the division to be stalled seems like kind of an unfair burden for John. Um, so I, I wouldn't do that if they want to run the interim fights. It's a weird scenario, right? Like it's, it's kind of ugly to have somebody be defending an interim title at the same time as an undisputed title. But to keep everybody active, this is an imperfect situation. And I think for me, I don't think you should be stripping John at this point. In fairness to Stipe, in fairness to John, that's going to be the fight that's next. Let Tom, In fairness to Aspinall, let him fight, keep active, fight again, defend that title, get some pay-per-view points, and then set up the big – have people talk about this for another year, anticipate, and then have the winners fight each other. Now, was that for us, or should Tom Aspinall take a deep breath and relax because they were his comments? <laughs> no, just everybody in general. I feel like there's been a lot of hate towards the uh, – like, like Aspinall just won. I know it was a quick fight, but it was just – I feel like there's been, like, this tremendous amount of 
attention towards the Stipe John fight as if it's something that Aspinall needs to fight like next month. I mean, at this point, the UFC is already booked through March. So, you know, Aspinall would be returning in April at the, at the earliest. Um, Ooh, so, I mean, if John's, if John's going to be three months later than that, I don't necessarily think that that should necessarily warrant somebody getting their title taken. Aspinall just texted me. He says, have you ever been fingered by a British MMA, <laughs> MMA fighter? No one watch your words there. Um, all right. Uh, Danny, did we get your take yet? What, what do you think, man? Where are you on? Are you on board? Or what? Um, look, this, this whole situation is weird because if John Jones is supposed to return around July, August, right? Uh, that seems to be the the time frame that the UFC says it could take longer. Who knows? But that seems to be the 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 minimum time frame. Um, it would be okay if they wouldn't strip him, but okay, then you fight the interim champion. That makes sense. But if you're just gonna preserve Stipe Miocic, make that fight then, and then look at Tom Aspinall be fighting sometime in early 2025 against. John Jones, if at all, right? Because we, we don't even have any guarantee that John Jones or Stipe, whoever wins, will stick around after after that fight. Um, it just seems kind of bizarre that you were going to put somebody that clearly has a lot of hype, uh, skilled fighter, huge for a specific market, obviously, in the UK. Um, it's kind of weird that you're just going to sh shelve him for, you know, well over a year. Um I, I think he should should have fought Stipe Miocic. Like Stipe Miocic should have fought at UFC 295. That was the move. Uh, that's why you have a backup opponent, so you can fill in whoever drops out. In this case, John Jones, and it should have been Stipe and Sergey. But it didn't happen. So what do you do now? Well, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to answer. But I don't like the current expectation of we're just going to preserve this Miocic and Jones fight. I think somehow you got to involve Aspinalinder. He's got a belt. Look, Hennenborough defended his interim title. I, I thought that was fine. Sure, it's a little weird to see it, but why not? Uh, let's make Stipe Miocic versus Tom Aspinall sometime in early uh, in the first quarter of 2024. And then, you know, then we make that Jones fight with with whoever it is, whether it's Miocic or Aspinall. I think either or will be quite big. And early 2024 is UFC 300. I think it's scheduled for April. That would be pretty big. It, 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 we wish Jones could be a part of it, but he's... He's injured. King James says Jones in the chat. You can come in through Facebook or YouTube. He says Jones can literally fight anyone he chooses upon return. This is true. Brian John says, what's the point of him holding a belt if he can defend it? Uh, Kepsa says, Miocic versus Aspinall is a fight to make until John is back and defend and can defend the interim. They did it before. Like Danny pointed out, Hennon Brow did do it. M. Patton Rummel says, screw Jones. Man, you're leaving us in the dark, dude. We really don't know what uh, <laughs> what your point is here. Um, Mark England says, how long do you hold up the division? If you can't defend the belt, drop it. Uh, yeah, that's some people do feel that way. But we got to move on. Uh, let's get to some of this other stuff. Conor McGregor, he posted on X during a fan Q&A that a fourth Dustin fight uh, is a must. Poirier responded telling ESPN he wouldn't mind shutting up McGregor, quote, once and for all. Uh, but he doesn't see the point. Does this need to happen? Yes or no, Nolan? No. I mean, if it happens, great. Like I know Connor is a weird guy to match at this point. Who knows exactly what's going to be next? If it will be Chandler, if it will be somebody else. Um, for me, I would say the only reason this fight needs to take place one more time, or should take place, or could take place, uh, would be because both these guys are are hard to match. I mean, even Poirier is in a weird scenario right now, right? Like, what do you do with them? So I don't hate it on that, but I don't think like 
there's any sort of question that there's unfinished business or anything. I think it's something we've seen obviously three times before. So if, if there were options for both of the guys involved and we could go in different directions, I think that would be the best move, uh, at least from my viewers and the, the fan inside me, you know? Mm -hmm. Danny, instead of asking you, does it need to happen? I think Nolan makes a good point. It probably doesn't, but should it happen? Like, in the, uh, is this too big of a sell? Are we railroading Chandler here? I mean, he put in his time as a coach and he's been pretty patient. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't like that fight. They had three fights and Poirier won the last two and quite convincingly. Um, I think we have a pretty good idea of who the better fighter is at this point. So why do a fourth? Um, I think if anything, McGregor should be trying to entice free agent Diaz back into the UFC. I think that's the fight that needs to happen uh, above any other fight before McGregor or Diaz retires. Like that, There's unresolved business there. And if you ask about genuine beef and and, 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 and and bad blood, that's the fight. Way more than the Poirier one. And honestly, it's a far more favorable matchup for McGregor uh, to beat Diaz than it is to beat Poirier. So I don't know why he's pursuing that Poirier fight so bad. But, um, you know, I guess that's McGregor. But, um, yeah, I don't have a ton of appetite to see that fight. I would obviously watch it because it's Conor McGregor's return. And, hell, like Dustin Poirier is one of the most exciting pound for pound fighters in the history of the sport but as far as like a storyline and what they can draw between each other like I, I, I kind of feel like that's already over with we already saw that so i would like to see mcgregor move on to other matchups with whatever time he has left in the sport i think the holloway fight would be amazing a rematch bringing back diaz heck if you can bring back masvidal i think that'd be huge as well chandler obviously i think that's a very interesting fight as well I've been, I'm one of the weird guys that have been clamoring for this fight, but I think a fight between McGregor and Bobby Green, that's the shit right there. So I think there are so many fights out there for him that are far more enticing than the Poria one. Hadn't thought of the Green fight, but that would be pretty legit. Um, goes, I guess Danny does have a point. You know, he does, 2-1 uh, is kind of a once and for all. Uh, so are you on board with this or not? I'm not on board with it. I don't think it needs to happen. It's, um, but it's one of those situations where if they made it, it's only going to take you a couple of minutes before somebody says something or somebody does something and you're right back into it, right? Something you'd, you'd pay for, you'd want to watch, but it just doesn't need to happen. It's, it's kind of an insult to Michael Chandler at that point. I mean, they've strung him along for the longest time, right? The whole tough season. What's the point of all that if we're not going to get that payoff? I think that's the fight that needs to happen. Uh, but yeah, I would much rather look to other fights before I would look at this one again. Part of the intrigue when Conor McGregor fights is the smack talk and everything he says. Like, what can you possibly say? You're down 2-1 to the guy, right? Like, there's you don't have a leg, well, no pun intended, you don't have a leg to stand on as far as the <laughs> argument goes. So Damn. how are we supposed to get pu pumped up for something like this? Like, give us a Chandler fight. Give us something fresh. I think that's a, that's a better fight. You planned that one, didn't you, Goose? No, that's why I stopped myself halfway through. Oh. All right, that guy's been through a lot, man. All right. Uh, look, let's move on here. Uh, we spent a lot of time early on, and I want to circle back one last time if we have a chance. I'll make this quick. Al Jermaine Sterling teased the fight, right? He wants to possibly debut at 45. It's tough to make weight. He's not in the title picture right now. We know it's Vera versus uh, O'Malley, and then, of course, his teammate, Devalish, really has to be in the mix somewhere. So he's saying him versus Max Holloway, and Holloway's frozen out of featherweight because he's lost three times to Volkanovski. What do you think of this potential matchup of the former champions? Yay or nay, Danny? 
Uh, I mean, I, will I watch it? Yeah, of course. But I'm not really about it. I'm, I've been cl- clamoring since uh, since Holloway got iced out with those three losses to Volkanovski to move up to 155. So I would love to see him do a fight at 155. But heck, at the same time, like Ilya Topuria is fighting Volkanovski. We don't know what the hell is going to happen between those two. I think that's a very there's a chance to see an upset there. So maybe maybe Max Holloway does have some life at 145, and I'm kind of underestimating him as far as being a champion once again. Uh, so this could be a, a placeholder fight. Um, eh, look, I'm not going to hate it. I'm not going to sit here and, and hate on it, but um, I think there are better alternatives out there. Mm-hmm. Frozen, like Elsa saying, the winner fights the winner of Volk versus Ilya. Eee! You know, it reminds me of Usman and Shamaya of the winner fight. It's like, oh man, we're just putting a fight together here and you're disrupting a whole division of quality candidates. So it's a great idea. I love the outside of thinking. Who's on the line there? Who's in the line there, George? I get it. At Uh, middleweight, there's a bunch, but at at featherweight after Ilya. Well, see, what I'm saying, though, is I guess just because a a, a cater or an Emmett or someone drops a key fight, I don't think it just all of a sudden puts you behind these other guys that come in and just have a great, you know, matchup. like, because part of being a contender, part of I guess getting frozen out is you might go five and zero, lose one, and then all of a sudden someone goes one and zero. Is that really better than what you have kind of been doing? I don't know. That's fair. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I, I'm not totally against it, but it just kind of reminded me of Shamaya versus Usman, where like, hey, yeah, I love the title implications, but at the end, once we we had the come down from the event, we were like, wait, what are we thinking here? We got a lot of potential candidates at middleweight, but all right. Uh, girls, let's answer this question though. Are you into Sterling versus Holloway? I'm not. I, I for me, look, I think Aljamain Sterling is perfect at 135. I think that's the strongest suit. Uh, same with Max Holloway, 145. Stay there. I don't want to see you at 145. I, I just feel like these these matchups don't really solve anything. And if if you're Aljamain Sterling, like you think Sean O'Malley hits hard, bro? Max Holloway hits a lot harder. Like that is a, a really really tough matchup. I don't know why he wants. To do that, I don't know what it proves. Um, I think, I think I get a little upset sometimes with the UFC too because I think fighters are kind of forced into these situations that are trying to fight for a belt and get their shots, and they and they don't get it. They're forced to kind of look into these crazy scenarios just to make more money when they should be chasing the belts. Because remember what we said about Allen: you get past Whitaker, you're it. You know, maybe that's how Sterling's mm-hmm. looking at it. I get past Holloway; that's the ultimate mm-hmm. gatekeeper. Um, but all right, Nolan, your thoughts? Yeah, I dig it. Um, again, it's not totally ideal. Like, it's not a fight I need to see. But I think if Holloway's, you know, dead set on sticking at 145, and Aljo obviously has talked a lot about how the weight cut down to 135 was not friendly, particularly at the end. I, I like this better than, like, say, the options it seems like they were giving him, which would be Calvin Cater. He, he mentioned, too, I think, on his podcast that there were – two other people that he was friendly with. So he turned, he said he didn't want those options, which like looking at who's available. I know Bryce Mitchell and him are, are, are pretty tight. And also I think he's trained with Danny Ige. So like if those are the sort of names that they're offering him for his featherweight debut, I, 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 under, I totally understand why Aljo's trying to fast track to the top at 145. For Holloway, it gives him another name to, to put on a resume. Like, I don't know who else in that division, right? You could give him that he hasn't already beat or that, is someone that really would do much for him. But to beat a former Bantamweight champion, one of the greatest Bantamweights of all time, 
and really solidify himself as the thing we already know, which is that he's kind of the guy, you know, besides Alexander Volkanovsky at 145. Um, I, I think there's I think there's stuff to be gained from both guys, you know, for both guys. Yeah, Mozart Evloev hasn't lost. Yeah, Rodriguez just came off a title shot. Uh, and then Arnold Allen, I think he's only got two losses in his career. So there's there's a few killers out there. They just need to rebound. I, I like the matchup. I just don't like it with title implications. All right, just a couple minutes of overtime. Let me give you guys one last chance. The huge news today, PFL acquires Bellator. We kind of went over this at the beginning, so we're not going to regurgitate everything. If you're just tuning in, this show's available immediately after it's over. Also, it's available on podcasts. It's released on Tuesday. But if you want to watch us, because obviously we're some stellar fellas over here, then as soon as it's done, by liking and subscribing to the channel, you can get to the immediate replay, see the participation in the chat, and all that good stuff. And we do this every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. But we started the show with the big news. The PFL has acquired Bellator. Final thoughts on that. We'll go around the horn. Nolan, uh, any new info or any final thoughts that maybe you uh, glazed over the first time? No, I mean, fascinating times. I think we'll have a lot more to talk about, almost like a, a better perspective on it this week than or next week than we did this week, just because this was very raw. This was all coming in at once. But I think it's an exciting time for the media. I think it's an exciting time for the fighters. I think it's an exciting time for the promotions, the landscape. Um, you know, like hopefully a lot of the, the Bellator behind the scenes people, it seems like at least from what's out there, they're going to be at least taken care of for for at least the time being i don't know how many or who or whatever but it seems like this is a good experiment for mma at this point in time so i'm just yeah. interested to, to see what happens and um again next week i think we'll have uh we'll have wrapped our head around it a little bit more goes you live through pride in the ufc w uh sorry pride in the ufc UFC and wc and the ufc and strike force it's been about 10 years since we went through one of these are the juices flowing? A little bit. I mean, you have to remember, um, as great as Pride and UFC was, there were matchups that we didn't get to see that we probably would have wanted to see. But uh, I think this is going to be fun. I think this is going to end up being a good thing for the sport. Mm -hmm. Danny Segura, the last word is yours. I'm excited. I'm excited because the future just has so many more possibilities. And um, I, I think there is a good opportunity here to create a really, really strong number two and have an actual reliable second option to fall back on for quality MMA and entertainment. Not that Bellator and PFL weren't by themselves, but I think together, I mean, you know, you just multiply their their power. So I'm excited, man. I'm 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 looking forward to it, and I remain optimistic that this will be good for the MMA industry. Yeah, and you know, MMA events vlog said something nice here at the end. Maybe we'll finish with that. Respect to Coker and staff. It was an era, and yeah. And I, all I can say is to PFL Ator, moving forward, there's no excuses for a crappy card. You guys got some really quality fighters between both rosters. Don't spread yourself so thin that we skip a card because it wasn't good enough. I mean, stack these babies, you know, and put some pressure on the UFC, and then that'll raise everyone's levels. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in here. We do this every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We hope to see you next week. We'll have more information, I'm sure, about this acquisition. Uh, as well as PFL uh, 10 2023, their title, their, their, their six titles. It's this weekend. It's on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll be back to unpack and react to that. And happy Thanksgiving to all of you uh, here on behalf of MMA Junkie. Take care and go out and be a champion.